When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Finding the right person for the job isn't easy. Just ask someone who hired their personal trainer as a caterer. All right, folks, let's keep this line moving. You there with the tongs. Picking up one Dutch's potato at a time will not cut it at my catering table. Drop and give me 50. But if you've got an insurance question, you can always count on your local GEICO agent. They can bundle your policies, which could save you hundreds. Okay, this is what we call the wild mushroom and asparagus dip, dip, and press. Come on, let's get those plates above your heads. For expert help with all your insurance needs, visit geico.com slash local today. Hello Bulls fans and welcome to another episode of Bulls HQ, a Chicago Bulls podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Thank you for joining me today as we hone in on the funnest part of the NBA season, the part where there is actually no basketball to be had, but plenty of off-season moves and news to go around. Free agency is only two days away and here to talk Bulls and their projected plan with me is Stefan No of The Athletic. Stefan, thanks for coming on, mate. Hey, thank you so much for having me, Mark. No problem, mate. It's been a while, but glad we can talk about the Bulls and their free agency plans, like I mentioned from the top, it is the funnest part of the year for most fans. And I guess the, for the Bulls fans too, we, we didn't have much to look forward to during the season itself. So we've sort of been planning for free agency probably like for six months in advance. Same thing with the draft. So we've all been thinking about this going over the, the, the available free agent names. So most of the stuff that we may touch on today is probably not news to people, given that, like I said, Bulls fans have probably been thinking about this for at least six months. But it's finally here and I'm getting excited and I'm tipping that's the case for you too. Um, I'm definitely more excited than watching the regular season games, that's for sure. But it is a little <laughs> bit disappointing that, you know, the Bulls have been touting this cap space plan for two years basically and they're already taking themselves out of the running uh for the big names there are some names that i'm i'm very intrigued by that i think will help the team a lot but there's a little bit of a damper i have to admit yeah yeah it's look i've 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 said my piece with it off i i was kind of i think that was the one downside of the auto porter trade whilst it was a good trade to get off Jabari Parker and Bobby Horace. Any any time you can get rid of those guys, you can get back a player like Otto Porter. It's a good thing, but ultimately the uh, I guess the downside of it is you t- effectively the Bulls have taken themselves out of free agency, which may or may not be the best idea depending on what you think of that. But before we dive into strategy, what this team needs, who are the players available that they potentially could grab. I just wanted to take it from the top in terms of giving people an idea of what the Bulls' projected cap space potentially could be. And most people are probably well-versed on it at this point anyway. But just as an overview to set the table for this show, the Bulls currently have 17 players on their uh, projected roster, which doesn't include their two-way guys. So they've got a pretty full roster right now. They're obviously going to trim that. But of those 17 players, six of them are potentially free uh, free agents. So that includes... Robin Lopez, Timothy uh, Lawawu Cabarro, and Wayne Selden. All three of those guys are unrestricted free agents. Ryan Archidiakono is now a restricted free agent after the Bulls 
uh, took up him, took him up on that qualifying offer, and maybe Shaq Harrison and Walt Lemon Jr. too. We'll see what happens with those guys, but they're potentially free agents, depending what the do uh, the Bulls do with their non guaranteed deals. So, at present, with all those seventeen players involved. The Bulls don't actually have any cap space given all those players um, that are currently up or are currently free agents plus all the fr- uh, guaranteed money that the Bulls have on their books. Bulls don't have any cap space at the moment because of cap holds that are in place for players like Robin Lopez. He has like a $21, $21.5 million cap hold and obviously the Bulls will be pretty quick to get rid of that come June 30. But I'm going to assume here that Robin Lopez and TLC, those guys, their their rights are going to be renounced. Their cap holds are going to be wiped off the books. I'm going to assume that Wayne Selden's probably like that's probably a likely scenario for Wayne Selden too. And the Bulls got a bit of a a little bit a little bit of a helping hand from the NBA too, in the sense that wiping off Amir Ashik's three million dollar dead salary off the books will help give the Bulls an additional three million dollars in space. So when you take all that into account, you factor all in factor that all, all in too. The Bulls can get anywhere between 21 to 23 million, depending on what they sort of do with those non guaranteed contracts for guys like Harrison and Walt Lemon Jr. So, 21 to 23 million dollars, that's the number that Bulls fans should be having in their heads. Hopefully, 23 million dollars. Of course, they could probably get to more if they needed to by stretching Cristiano Felicio's contract or perhaps even trading the contracts of Chris Dunn or Antonio Blakely into another team's space, though that will likely cost a pick or two to do so. But that is the general overview that Bulls fans should have in their minds. But Stefan, going on from that, I, I wanted to touch base and, and just get your thoughts on what the Bulls should actually be doing with that space. Because I think before we can talk about players or what this team needs, we kind of need to talk about the strategy that the Bulls should be employing heading into free agency. So what are your thoughts around that and in, in, from a general co- uh, concept? Well, you know, in previous years during this rebuild, I have very strongly advocated for them to rent out their cap space to other teams with bad contracts, get some future first round picks. Uh, they did that with uh, Omer Sheik getting that pick that they used on Chandler Hutchison late first round pick. That's basically the only type of trade that they've done in, in that kind of uh, strategy. And, you know, Hutchison, he is looking like he's not really going to be like a huge impact player. So I know there's some people that say like, what's the point of accruing these picks? You're not going to get a star anyway, but I think they're really useful in trades. You know, if a star does become available down the line, you can aggregate these picks and it becomes a much more attractive package, or you can use them to move up in the draft. If there is a player that you really like saw the, Atlanta Hawks do this uh, during this draft. They moved up to four to get DeAndre Hunter. Uh, it's probably not the best example because I, I think that neither of us are super high on him. But, you know, they I think they packaged three picks to move up to four. Maybe in a future draft, there's a guy that is uh, actually worth that price. Uh, and it, it's just a way better use of cap space than what the Bulls have done in the past. You know, the first year of the rebuild, they didn't even meet the salary floor. The second year... Spent all their money on Jabari Parker. Um, I worry that they're going to do something like that this year. And uh, if so, like if they are left with these middling options where, you know, uh, Malcolm Brogdon is off the market, Patrick Beverly is too expensive. And again, they're not going after any of these max free agent guys. I just think it's a better use of their cap space. I mean, it's something they should definitely consider. I mean, we saw the Atlanta Hawks. You mentioned that just before, do exactly that. Pick 17, I'm pretty sure he was involved in that DeAndre Hunter deal. So, 
the New Orleans Pelicans effectively got pick 17 from Atlanta via whoever else was in the, in that trade. That trade got really confusing pretty quickly. So uh, it was Brooklyn initially, I suppose. But yeah, it's, it's something that they should consider. I don't know if like they would, they, they need to maybe rent out maybe 50% of their cap space to, t- to take on a bad deal. Someone like, I don't know, like a, a, a Myers Leonard or someone like that, or who's making 10, 12, 12 million dollars, something like that. And then you still have that ability to use the rest of your space on maybe one or two other players. But yeah, it's something that the Bulls probably should be considering. I doubt that's where they're going to go. And I doubt that that's a path that they will likely employ. But I think it should be something in the back of the mind. And it's probably something they could have they could have been more open to it, I think, if they didn't do that Otto Porter trade because they would have been in a very similar position to the Atlanta Hawks in that at that point where they would have had forty plus million in space, and you know they could have taken on a bad contract, got a first round pick, but and still had that twenty five, twenty three million dollars, whatever the number is in space. So I don't know if they're going to do that because they probably chose Otto Porter over ch- taking on a bad contract for a pick. So it's probably just a different methodology that the way the Bulls are operating to in the sense that you know, compared to the Atlanta Hawks. But I don't know. I think your option should be explored. I probably would steer away with it, steer away from it myself, just depending, I guess, on who, who those players are and what those picks are that are available. Because I, I really do think this team desperately needs some, a, a talent upgrade and some depth upgrades. So I'm kind of on board with the idea of using that space on players. But Still thinking about strategy, like this is also important too to think about what the Bulls should be aiming to do because, I mean, it's a, it's a topic of discussion and we'll get into it a little bit later on, but I'm sort of wondering whether they should be maybe just limiting themselves in terms of what contracts they hand out, whether it's, you know, a maximum of two years, a maximum of, yeah, I would say two years. Should they be handing out four-year deals to guys like Malcolm Brogdon or Terry Rozier or any other restrictive free agents that we want to name? I think that's a pretty contentious item that we the Bulls really need to work through too. Yeah, I think that two-year contract length is a pretty good one. You could make the argument that maybe you just want them to sign uh, one-year deals, but you look at next year's free agency class and it's not really that good. So this is kind of the year where a lot of the league is up for free agency. So if you sign two-year deals and leave yourself open to that summer of 2021. I know it sucks for Bulls fans to always be looking down the line at these summers a couple years down the line, and then they don't really do anything. But if you are going to plan for a summer, I think that that is, uh, that is the one that you should do. And I know that you've talked a little bit about that in the past too. So it's uh, kind of stealing your thunder here, but I think that's a good idea. Yeah, I mean, look, it makes perfect sense to me. I'd, I'd prefer to, you know, make a run at Giannis no matter how remote that may be. I mean, he may not even be a free agent at that point, but I, I kind of don't want to take myself, or not myself, but the balls out of the race before it's even run by signing someone to, you know, a really lengthy dealer for four years just to, to get a few more wins in 2019-20. I think that would be kind of a mistake. But like you said, I've sort of banged on about that enough before. But it's just an interesting concept because, you know, in the last week or so, we've heard Brian Windhorst on, I think it was the Zach Lowe podcast, essentially saying that the Bulls are potentially in on Brogdon in a big way. And to be in on Brogdon, the Bulls probably would have to commit most, if not all of their $23 million in space to Brogdon. But then Casey Johnson has sort of had conflicting reports in the sense that he's probably been more of the view that the Bulls probably won't be aiming for a big name, won't be committing most of their spend to one big name and are more likely to apportion that space that they will have over two to three players. So based on those two options, where do you typically lean? Are you more leaning where Casey is sort of coming from if they are the only two of, uh, two options that the Bulls should be pursuing? 
Well, let me ask you something, Mark. Even if the Bulls were to offer Brogdon the most they possibly could, do you think that they would still even have a chance to get him? Because it seems to me like Milwaukee is hell-bent on keeping him. They already moved Tony Snell uh, for a pick. Rumor is that they're trying to shop Ersan Ilyasova too for a pick, which actually is a player that I think the Bulls should absolutely go after. It's kind of like a kill two birds with one stone approach where they can get a future asset and get a player that can contribute. He could actually help them quite a bit. So I just, I just don't know if it's worth it because I think that it's, it's kind of not going to matter either way. What do you think? Yeah. I mean, it ultimately will come down to Milwaukee's owners. I mean, they can, can retain uh, Malcolm Brogdon. They can retain Chris Middleton. They can bring back Brooke Lopez. I mean, they can pay them whatever they really want to. Like there's no, there's nothing, I guess, stopping them from doing that other than their own pockets and paying the luxury tax. So that's really the only thing that's limiting them. It's not another team offering Brogdon a money, uh, enough money to sort of steal him away per se. They can only steal, them, steal Brogdon away if Milwaukee have a cutoff point, which sort of the, I guess they will have because they won't want to pay the tax, which I think is kind of insane given that uh, Giannis will be approaching for agency in a couple seasons' time. So I think that would be a risk on their behalf. But I do think Brogdon is gettable. I yeah, I probably won't be. I, I, I imagining him staying with the the Milwaukee Bucks, but I think if the Bulls sort of pony up and say, "We'll give you all about twenty three million dollars," which would probably be a quite over a four year deal, like to a four year one hundred and ten million dollar deal, something crazy like that. If I'm doing the math correct, which I'm probably not, as probably a four year one hundred million dollars. I mean, that's a that's a ton of money, and it, I guess it would make the Bucks think. So, in that sense, maybe they do let him go, but. I don't really want to be the team to pay someone like Malcolm Brogdon a, a four-year, $100 million deal, something like that, $23 million a season with some raises on top of it. That, that would quickly become four years, $100 million. I think I think the idea of bringing in like a super-duper role player, which Brogdon is, before you've even got your team star, and I think that's kind of a problematic approach, so that's kind of why I'm, I'm against it. But I know a lot of Bulls fans out there are, are behind the idea of bringing in Brogdon. So here's another reason why I'm... I mean, I would love to get Malcolm Brogdon. Uh, I think that he would help the Bulls a ton. He addresses a ton of needs. But you have to keep in mind, too, that if you make an offer sheet to him, that's going to lock up your money. Uh, the Bucks are going to have three days where they have matching rights. They're going to make you wait out the full three days as a punitive measure. There are other restricted free agents on this market that I would rather go after that I think the Bulls have a better chance. And that puts a lot of pressure on other teams to match because... You know, if they lock up, let's say uh, a, a name that I really like is uh, Tomas Sadaratsky, for example. If the Bulls make an offer sheet to him and the Wizards decide to match, well, now they've spent a lot of their free agent dollars, right? So they're not going to have as much allocated towards other upgrades that they, they want on their roster. So I think that you have to be very strategic in who you give these offer sheets to and the timing of when you do it. That's just, I mean, I, that's just why I'm not a huge fan of this Brogdon idea. Is I think that you can use your leverage uh, in a way that's more effective, where you have more of a chance of um, getting the player that ultimately you want. Yeah, I mean, I agree with that. I mean, people generally like to think that it's always the the big dogs that go first, and then uh, I guess from there on, the you know where you stand in, in the league, that's when you signed your contract. But if we go back to even last year, I think it was like I think Doug McDermott of all players was one of the first players to be signed in free agency last year, and I think teams that sort of identify those players that they can sort of swoop in on and 
use their space and maybe pay that player a little bit more than what the market is maybe suggesting and get in on that player before the market can react. I think that is actually a smart move rather than sort of like doing what you're sort of suggesting here with Brogdon. Like if you're committing the entire of your space to Brogdon, you pretty much can't really do do much else. Like it's not like you can commit an extra five, $10 million to another player because you don't know what's going to happen with that, with that salary. Maybe you can sort of work it to the point where you can put in a a conditional offer if your space becomes available thereafter. But, I mean, there's nothing stopping that player from going on and signing a deal elsewhere. So I kind of completely agree with you. I think the Bulls should probably be a little bit more pragmatic about this situation. I think I don't really like the idea of just sending Brogdon an offer just to sort of hamper a potential uh, a potential contender or a division rival. I mean, yeah, I mean, that, that would be nice. But the Bulls shouldn't be thinking about limiting the Bucks in their sort of plan. They should just be essentially be thinking about themselves. And I think Sadoransky is actually a pretty good option because as we saw last season with with the Wizards, they're a team that are, aren't interested in paying the uh, the luxury tax at all. So maybe you can get away with you know, offering Sadoransky or someone like that a decent deal, getting him in to fill that point guard role. And you probably do have more chance with a player like that. Are there any other restricted free agents that uh, you would try to make this aggressive offer sheet to? I'm curious. Probably not. I mean, this class from a restricted free agency point of view doesn't really do much for me personally. Maybe like maybe Tyus Jones, which I'm sure some people, you know, some Bulls fans will bristle at, bristle at that name. But I, I think he could be a nice little option for the Bulls as well. It, 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 you would at least have to make the, the Minnesota Timberwolves think about it. And particularly if they're sort of going after a player like D'Angelo Russell or trying to work their cap space in a trade to, uh, to, to bring in a player like, D'Angelo Russell, then maybe you can sort of steal Tyus Jones as uh, as a restricted free agent. But like a name like Terry Rozier doesn't interest me at all. I'll be pretty clear about that. And I don't I don't really see many other options in this class unless I'm missing someone off the top of my head. But I, I'm pretty content with not really playing the the restricted game at this point based on based on the names that I've targeted anyway. Yeah, the name I was thinking of was Rozier. I'm not really a a huge fan of him either, but I I just thought that. There's a possibility. I think Darnell, uh, Darnell maybe Barry over at the Athletic. I'm sure all your listeners are familiar with him. Uh, I think he was the one that said that the Bulls have a pretty strong interest in him. So uh, <laughs> I think both of us are kind of on the same page that we hope that's not the case. Yeah, but I mean, going back to what you said before, I mean, he's probably more gettable because a team like the Celtics are probably going to be using their space on on a, a player like Kemba Walker, like that that's the latest rumor going around. And if you bring in a guy like Kemba Walker, do you need Terry Rozier as your backup potentially when you have to pay him ten, twelve, fifteen million dollars? I, I don't know the answer to that. Obviously Kemba Walker could fall through for the Boston Celtics, so maybe that changes things. But in the event that they do go that Walker route, then maybe that makes Rozier more gettable. And like I said, I, I don't want that to be the case for the Bulls. But theoretically, if that was what they wanted to do, then I guess that's probably a better play than Brogdon in terms of the likelihood of getting that player. I probably would prefer Brogdon over uh, over Rozier, definitely. But um, yeah, I just don't really like the the free agents, uh, the restricted free agents in this particular crop themselves. I would actually be trying to strike it quickly with some of these unrestricted free agents. But before we talk about some of those restrictive, oh, sorry, unrestricted free agents. I just want to talk more generally about what this team needs. And I think that along with the strategy will sort of ultimately determine what players we discuss here on the back half of the podcast. But holistically, what, what are these, what are the gaps the Bulls have on this roster and what should they be thinking in terms of, or how should they be thinking about filling those holes with uh, with these free agent signings coming up? 
Well, I think Casey tweeted uh, a couple days ago that the Bulls' plan is to spread out their money on three different players. So you mentioned the $23 million in cap space. They also have the room exception available to them, which is, mm-hmm. I think it's like four point six or $4.7 million this yep. year. Yep. So uh, I, I think they definitely need a veteran point guard. I do not think Kobe White is ready. I think he's going to really struggle a lot if they just throw him in as a starter and expect him to play 30 minutes. Yeah, completely agree. Um, yeah, and then... They need wing help. I, they're, they're in such weird denial about their wing situation. Um, Otto Porter is obviously fantastic. Valentine is so injury prone that I don't think it's smart to depend on him for minutes. I mean, this is the problem the Bulls have had with backup point guard for years. Uh, even going back to Derrick Rose, they count on players to be healthy who are injury prone. And then, you know, they have no depth and it totally tanks their season. So they can't allow themselves to do that they have to get some solid veteran wing because Hutchison you know he showed flashes last year too but I don't think he's ready for a ton of minutes this year either and then um, you know they probably need like a backup big man Wendell Carter great defender obviously but he struggled against these really huge centers uh, like the Joel Embiid's of the world so you can get those guys really cheap they're a ton of big body big men that don't command that much money anymore that's kind of what i would use the room exception for is find a cheaper player you know under five million dollars that can just give you you know 10 to 15 minutes a game um what do you think mark yeah i think that makes that makes complete sense to me i mean bigs typically i think their market value is probably diminished i mean some team might randomly come out and and try to swoop in and, and maybe overpay a little bit to get their guy but i think to your point i think that room exception or that room mid-level of you know 4.7 million dollars i think you could slide in and and get that big man that you sort of needed with that amount of money so i think that makes complete sense to me Uh, i'm more aligned with what kc suggested in terms of spreading that cap space over two to three players and going after a big name and going after someone like malcolm brogdon and, and sort of using most of that space on the one player i think that would be a mistake based on like essentially exactly what you said that the, the lack of depth that the bulls have particularly on the wing so i would actually like to see wayne seldom back i think the, that probably won't happen i think the bulls should probably be aiming a little bit higher too because you can never have enough wings on in the modern nba and and KC's reported it, but a lot of people have reported as well that the Bulls are going to be playing a lot more with Larry Markkinen at center next season too, which may mean you have more Otto Porter at the four. If that's the case, you need more wings because if you're putting Otto Porter at the four, then who's playing small forward? Who's playing shooting guard? I mean, ideally, Zach Levine will be on the court, maybe Chandler Hutchinson, but those guys have to be on the bench at some point too. They need a breather. So who else do you put in? So getting in another wing or maybe in two wings, I think wouldn't be a bad deal because to your point, like which you mentioned before, you, the Bulls are basically one injury away from having Antonio Blakeney back into the rotation. He could be like your third or fourth guard off the, or your, your first or second guard really off the bench or your wing rather, which would be really problematic. I don't really want to see Antonio Blakeney getting minutes again. So I, I think they definitely need that veteran point guard because I completely agree with you. I think it would be mistakes to sort of just throw... Uh, Kobe White into it and just you know making that projected starter with not much help behind him I think they need that wing and they definitely need that big maybe one or two bigs depending on how ready Daniel Gafford is as well yeah I totally agree do you want to jump into some names here I think we should we should dive into some names we've identified a few names that I think the Bulls should go into or have a look at in free agency but before we do that let's just pay some bills 
Guys are terrible at taking care of their health. Whether it's a knee injury, bad back, or something worse, guys are usually more comfortable rubbing some dirt on it than seeing a doctor. The same is true for erectile dysfunction. Studies show 70% of guys who experience ED don't get treated for it. Thankfully, Roman created an easy way to chat with a doctor online. With Roman, you can get medical care for ED, if appropriate, from the comfort and privacy of your own home. You can handle everything online in a convenient, discreet manner. Getting started is simple. Just go to getroman.com slash bluewire and complete an online visit. If your doctor decides that treatment would be appropriate, they can prescribe genuine medication that can be delivered in discreet packaging right to your door with free two-day shipping. Guys, go talk to the doctor. Erectile dysfunction can be tough to tackle, but it's really important to get it checked out. With Roman, it's easy to connect with the doctor. Just go to roman.com slash bluewire to get a free online visit and free two-day shipping. That's getroman.com slash bluewire for a free visit to get started. Getroman.com slash bluewire. Alright guys, we've got an announcement to make. BlueWire is teaming up with Harry's to make sure our listeners are shaving comfortably. Go to harrys.com forward slash BlueWire to save $10 on the value trial set, which includes a five-blade razor with a lubricating strip and trimmer blade, rich leathering shave gel, and a travel blade cover. You get all of that for just $3 shipped right to your door. Enough with the cheap razors. It's totally worth trying Harry's. Harry's is fixed shaving by combining a simple, clean design with quality and durable blades at a fair price. Harry's founders were tired of paying for razors that were overpriced and overdesigned. Harry's bought a world-class blade factory in Germany that's been making quality blades for over 95 years. Join the 10 million who have tried Harry's. Claim your trial offer by going to harrys.com forward slash bluewire. All of Harry's blades come with a 100% quality guarantee. If you don't love your shave, let them know and they'll give you a full refund. Again, make sure you go to harrys.com forward slash bluewire to redeem your razor for $3. Okay, back to the show now. And Stefan, let's go. Let's jump into some of these free agents. Uh, I've gone through and identified a whole bunch of point guards, some wings, some big men that I'd be interested in in the Bulls going after potentially in free agency. But before I go into my names, maybe you can sort of list out a few of the names that you're sort of interested. You've already mentioned Sadoransky and I knew you were going to bring him up. So I I wasn't going to go into too much depth on him because I knew he would be one of your key targets. I like that name. I think that one makes a lot of sense. But maybe we can start a point guard. But you mentioned Sadoransky. We've talked a bit about Brogdon. But what other names do you think the Bulls should potentially consider here at point guard? You know, the the names to me... I do really like Sadoransky, and I think they should be aggressive in trying to give him uh, an offer sheet. The other names that have been associated, you know, Darren Collison, Ish Smith, Corey Joseph, Ricky Rubio, these guys to me are not terribly inspiring. Um, I don't think that there's much of a differentiation between them. So what I would do is I would just wait out the market, which is a strategy that the Bulls have used in the past. And what's going to happen is that Teams are going to spend most of their money in the first couple days of free agency. And when all that money is gone, there's going to be players still left that are unsigned that don't have uh, enough demand where you're going to have to compete with other teams to sign them. So that's kind of where you get the these uh, basement bargain deals. And just whoever is left at that point, uh, it doesn't really matter who to me. <laughs> that's that's kind of who I would go after because this is going to be a stopgap position anyway. I mean, the Bulls are going to need a guy for two years until White gets his footing. 
you know, maybe they'll take another point guard next year, actually, because supposedly the draft is going to be really heavy with good point guards uh, next year. Uh, point is, like, if they sign a 30-year-old point guard, they they really, it, it doesn't matter <laughs> if if they get, like, the number 15 point guard on the market or the number 17 point guard. So that's what I would do. Yeah, look, I think that makes sense. But we've talked about the main bigger names. And look, I, they, the Bulls will probably miss out on those players. But I'll be surprised if they don't end up with one of the the central division sort of rivals, one of the point guards on maybe the Pacers or the Detroit Pistons. So you mentioned Ish Smith, Darren Colson. Those two guys are those 30-year-old sort of point guards that are probably going to be in the Bulls' price range, particularly if they want to spread that space over two to three players. I can't imagine either Colson or Ish Smith earning more than sort of six to seven, eight million dollars. I think that would probably be their price range. So I can imagine the Bulls being interested in, in one of those two guys. Corey Joseph as well is essentially the same situation. He's a little bit younger. He'll be 28 in a couple of months. But again, that's probably his price range too. So their value, I think, would ultimately be probably determined with what the Lakers do as well because the Lakers are in a situation where they'll have to think about splitting their space over over two, three players like the Bulls are going to do or, or to pull that into one big max sort of level player. So if the Lakers choose to go that max route, then that takes one sort of team off the board in terms of who needs some point guards and maybe one of these guys sort of slide to the Bulls. I think that was probably the most likely situation. But I really do, like we sort of mentioned before, you really need to put in that starter in place who can sort of just support the the, the starting unit for maybe 25 minutes a night and then you can bring Kobe White slowly off the bench. But Corey Joseph just seems like a name, seems like a Bulls sort of guy. Ish Smith as well. I'd be surprised if one of those guys isn't a Bulls point guard come starting night but or opening night rather. But, I mean, ultimately we'll see. But is there any other names of point guard that sort of interest you at all that we maybe we haven't mentioned? Rajon Ronda, who former Bull, he's, a point, he's available. <laughs> Definitely not. Um, <laughs> yeah, Alfred Payton is another name that probably hasn't been talked about enough. Yeah. Uh, I think that you could get him really cheap, which is uh, his appeal to me. But he quietly had, I think, like four or five triple doubles in a row to close the season for the Pelicans last year. Uh, not like a great defender, not a really terribly efficient player, but he can get a team into their offense. You know, he can contribute in a bunch of different areas. Um, he's not going to kill you out there, basically, is, uh, <laughs> I guess, his biggest appeal. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, after the, the Pelicans brought in uh, Lonzo Ball, they've obviously got Drew, Drew Holiday. They might not need to bring back Alfred Payton. So he's a player as well that probably benefits playing fast. And if we're to believe John Paxson and, and Jim Boyle and the Bulls are going to be playing a lot faster next season, which we'll wait to see if that happens. But maybe that makes even more sense for a player like Payton, who you know, I guess a few months ago turned 25 I guess he's essentially it's, he's in a real sim- similar situation to Chris Dunn in the sense that he's coming onto his second contract. I mean, he's technically on his third contract, but he wasn't that long removed from his rookie deal. I think he was one year ahead of Chris Dunn. So similar type of player in the sense that didn't necessarily stick on their first team. Probably a better, t- a, a more of a player that you would want on your, uh, you know, on that second contract, that third contract. So he will be an interesting name to target as well probably on that lower end. He'll probably be one of the last point guards to be signed as well, depending on what happens. But I think they're probably the main names that I'd be interested in. I'm expecting Ricky Rubio to to head to Indiana. And based on what his market will be, probably like $12, $13, 14000000 million, I probably wouldn't want to 
give Ricky Rubio that number. And I mean, Patrick Beverly was my guy that I wanted. And I mean, most Bulls, most of the Bulls fan base wanted too. But there was reports going around from Tim McMahon on ESPN that he's fielding offers or wanting offers of three years, $42 million. And like I said, from the top, I think it would be a mistake for the Bulls to offer anything beyond two years guaranteed money. So I think if that's the case, Patrick Beverly's not likely to be coming to Chicago. So that sort of rounds out, I guess, the point guard name. So maybe we can talk about some wings now. Who, who do you think the Bulls potentially could be uh, looking at, at with the wings, either with their cap space or maybe that uh, room mid-level exception, depending on the on the caliber of wing we're talking about here? Mark, I cannot believe that you did not bring up Ryan Archidiakono in that point guard situation. I, I don't know <laughs> if you're saving 30 minutes at the end of this podcast to just go on your uh, your plea here, but you're not even going to give us a little bit of uh, why they should bring Arch back? Well, I mean, I, I, f- I felt like I didn't have to say anything because uh, he, he should be just be immediately coming back. There shouldn't be anything for me to say. Like, Obviously, the, the Bulls have made him a restricted free agent, so I, that would sort of make you believe that they're obviously in, more interested in retaining him than, say, Wayne, Wayne Seldon. And obviously, after dra- drafting Kobe White and clearly wanting a point guard here in free agency, it probably means more likely that the team is going to move over, move on from Chris Dunn than Ryan Archidiakono. But, I mean, maybe there's a team out there that goes out and gives Archidiakono a three-year, $21 million deal, something like that. And maybe that $7 million number just scares the Bulls. But I absolutely want Arch back. I mean, it has to happen for me. I'll be devastated if that's not the case, but um, I'm pretty sure everyone already knew that. Well, as expected, uh, you've come up with a completely unreasonable number for Arch Diagonal. There's no way he's getting <laughs> three years, $21 million. You never so know. I, I mean, you can't quantify grit and spirit and soul, so maybe some team tries to do that and just finds that magic number to be $7 million, but who knows? Who knows? Uh, I'm hoping my guy makes, him, makes a bag if it's not at Chicago. Real briefly, um, do you think that the Bulls should try to keep Shaq Harrison or Walt Lemon? I mean, I both have non-guaranteed deals, so it really depends on how many players they want to bring in through free agency. If they want to bring in two or three players, like I mentioned at the top, they don't really have a lot of roster spots as currently constructed. So to open up two or three spots, they kind of have to make a choice as to of the of the point guards, who do they want to to get rid of now? Lemon and and uh, Shaq Harrison are probably the easiest to get rid of because they have non guaranteed contracts. Whereas Chris Dunn obviously has a guaranteed contract. Ryan Archidiakno uh, is a restricted free agent, one that they probably want to retain. So it's probably easier to get rid of Harrison and Lemon. So I would imagine that's probably what they do. They they let go one or both of those guys, or like I said as well, they could maybe just trade Dunn into space and maybe keep one of Archidiakno as well as uh, Harrison or Lemon Jr. Personally, myself, I would probably let those guys sort of expire or not pick up their contracts and fill those spots with something else. But yeah, I don't know. What, what, what would you do in that space? Well, the reason I'm not high on guys like Corey Joseph or Ricky Rubio is because they can't play off the ball. Yeah, And Lemon has basically no three-point shot. Harrison's shot uh, is all over the place. He's not really a threat at all either. So you got to find a point guard that can play a little bit off the ball. I mean, that's also, I mentioned Peyton as a possibility. That's why I'm not like clamoring for the Bulls to get him. It would be, I'd be okay with it, but he can't really shoot very well either. So um, yeah, I would just let those guys go and allocate the money elsewhere. Do we even consider Shaq Harrison a point guard? I mean, to me, he played mostly as a as an off guard even, like, and sometimes even as a small forward. So I don't, I don't even really consider him a point guard, to be honest with you. Yeah, you might be right there. And um, 
That actually brings up one of the wings that I would like the Bulls to get is a return of David Nwaba. Yes. Uh, I think that that's a target that they could get for extremely cheap. He played for the Cavs last year, which nobody was watching them. But he had a solid year. He was one of their best players by a lot of these advanced metrics just because of his impact on the floor. Really good defender, as we know. Um, Yeah, I would like the Bulls. I I think we should talk a lot about the wings because it's a position that the Bulls really, really need to focus on. They need to get some multi-positional defenders that can improve what is looking on paper like a very poor defense. I mean, you're speaking my my language when you mentioned David Dwyer, that is certainly true. So I would be totally on board with that. I think he gives this team something they probably don't have. And I could just imagine a scenario where you have Zach Levine, David Dwyer, and Kobe White just sort of leading the team out on a transition break. And there's absolutely no way a team could stop that. And I would be totally here for that. So I, I had David Dwyer on my list of free agents that I think the Bulls should explore. And I think Probably most importantly, he will probably come cheap as well. So Nwaba, he's a restricted free agent, but signed for essentially the minimum last year with the Cleveland Cavaliers after the Bulls let him go. So when once they brought in Jabari Parker, which I won't get into because that still troubles me. But I think David Nwaba makes a lot of sense. I think maybe even players like Rondi Magruder or Glenn Robinson from Detroit as well, I think they're interesting names, restricted free agents, but they're... They're not young players as such, but they're 25, 26, 27 in that range who are probably buy low guys who can maybe get some upside out of potentially. I, th- I think there's some names that I'd, I'd explore too. And, and maybe Delon Wright from from uh, from Memphis. So I've, I've listed three restricted free agents here. I mean, you mentioned before about what restricted free agents the Bulls should, should name. And I said, there's not many that interest me, but here I am naming three or four that I actually like. Yeah, right. I think he'll probably command like a eight-figure salary annually. He might be a little bit more expensive than I would like to pay for that quality of player. There are some uh, other wings that I would pay that amount of money. Uh, I think Woj said on ESPN yesterday, so we're recording this on Friday, on Thursday, or I guess maybe Friday morning, he said that the um, the Hornets were looking to probably move on from Kemba Walker and Jeremy Lamb. Lamb is a guy that I've long wanted the Bulls to get. I think he's a really good two-way player, solid. He is uh, not going to be really flashy, not going to be a star or anything, but I think he would be worth like 13 or $14 million a year, which they might be able to get him at that price. It's going to be tough because, again, every team needs a wing like him, so there's going to be some competition. Uh, what do you think about him? I like the idea of Jeremy Lamb, but I kind of don't like the the notion of what he potentially will cost and I mean any any wing the Bulls sort of bring in here is going to be a backup of sorts so we I, I mentioned it before that there is definitely playing time on the wing here for for the Bulls to sort of inquire about and they were kind of using Zach Levine too much probably last season as well there were there were stretches there when Boylan was playing Zach Levine you know 36 37 38 minutes even 40 minutes at time so there's definitely minutes to be had on the wing I guess it just comes down to cost and what Jeremy Lamb, uh, Lamb's market will be. I mean, if it's if it's anything north of $12 million, then that's kind of off-putting to me. And I kind of feel like he's a player that's primed to get a three- or four-year deal as well, which would probably go, go against my plan of not signing anyone beyond two years. So I like the premise of Jeremy Lamb. I think he's probably more a low-end starter or a bench player, so he would fit the role of what the Bulls need. But... If he's anything north of twelve million dollars, I think that would be kind of scary to be paying anything more than that for a, a guy that you're probably only going to be playing twenty twenty five minutes max a night. Yeah, another another guy who is a little bit younger, um, 
who I think is going to command a similar type of price range is Kelly Oubre on the Suns. Yeah. Um, he was made a restricted free agent. So again, the Bulls are going to have to be kind of aggressive. Uh, the Suns were clearing cap space. It looks like they might be trying to go after a max guy. So if that does happen, I think that he could become available. But again, just I think they should be targeting these two-way players. Could spread the floor, can defend, are smart. Um, although Ubre, you know, he's not like a, a great high IQ player, but he is not going to kill you again. Um, and he's young enough where maybe he can pick some more stuff up. So uh, what do you what do you think about Ubre? I don't mind Ubre. I, I think he's kind of a dumb player. I don't know if I'm I'm right in saying as much, but I think he would sort of fit what the Bulls need. But I mean, he's just come off starting as well. I don't know if he wouldn't want a bigger role. So that's an interesting situation where maybe that type of player would probably want to start. Um, but again, I think you probably have to pay him at least ten million a year, and he's probably looking at a three or four year dip, a four year deal as well. So I kind of like the idea, but I don't know if it's feasible for 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 the Bulls to sort of steal Uber away. I think the Suns will be pretty interested in retaining him um, pretty quickly. But what what about some veteran wings? Like I'm thinking someone like Wayne Ellington, a guy who's a pure shooter who can come off the bench. He's a guy that I've always liked. I, I wanted the Bulls to sort of chase him in the past, but he's now going to be 32 when the season starts. So he's getting on in his years, but he shoots the ball obviously exceptionally well. Is, is a player like Wayne Ellington or even Garrett Temple, does that make sense for a young team like the Bulls? Players like Temple and, and Ellington obviously will be in demand for, for contenders, but maybe you can overpay by an extra million or two and, and sneak in a shooter off the bench. Does, does that make sense for this Bulls team too? Yeah, I think both of those guys would be good candidates. Maybe the Bulls could find like a a Mike Dunleavy type that was so vital to their teams a couple of years ago where, you know, it's a veteran that's kind of overlooked by the rest of the market. Yeah. Um, but just couldn't really help this team out. They could, they could use some high IQ veterans for sure. I even like someone like Wesley Matthews, again, he's probably going to go to a contender, but at the same time, a lot of people thought when he when he um, became a, a free agent or was was sort of waived during the season that he would be going to one of the one of the contender types, whether it was the Warriors or someone else. But he picked the Indiana Pacers because he thought he could get more playing time there. And obviously, the Pacers were a good team, but weren't a true contender. So maybe maybe he's up for coming for or coming to a rebuilding team. So maybe a player like Wesley Matthews or Trevor Ariza. I, I don't know. I think I think it wouldn't be a bad idea to sort of offset the youth on the bench with maybe a wing, a veteran wing too. Obviously, Paxson has said that the Bulls want to bring in some veterans. So depending where that veteran comes from, you know, if you get one at point guard and at, and at power forward or center, then maybe it doesn't make sense to bring in a veteran wing too. But I think that should be an option for the Bulls too. But I mentioned bigs there, but maybe we can talk about that now. Who do you have on your list of big men that the Bulls should be targeting? Uh, yeah, again, I think that they should use the... Rube exception on a big man. Try to find a cheap one. Um, know that Ed Davis has been a popular Bulls Twitter target, at least. And I think Darnell wrote about him in his 10 free agents that the Bulls should target. You should definitely check that out on The Athletic. Um, and he was he was kind of a victim of this phenomenon I was talking about before where he didn't get signed in this to a huge deal in this crazy summer of 2016. Uh, if that's the case again, where his skills are being undervalued, he's kind of a specialist, uh, not like a huge offensive player, but he plays defense really well and rebounds the ball very well too. So I think that he'd be a great mentor for these young bigs and he could give the Bulls uh, very good minutes in the time he is out there. 
yeah, I think that's a good option. Obviously, I've mentioned it before, and I'll mention it again. Taj Gibson is uh, one of my favorites of all time in the Bulls, so I think the Bulls should be inquiring about Taj. They probably will. If they could get him for the room, mid-level exception, I think that would be a great, a great use of their, spend, uh, their, of their cap space, rather. So I think that should be a name that they target. Davis, you mentioned. Jermichael Green, I think, is a good option. I don't know if he gets more than... More than the uh, the mid uh, the mid level exception or the room mid level exception, I think you could probably get maybe six or seven million dollars. I think you may need to pour pour in some cap space to get him because he's probably a little better than that. Uh, another name that I like thinking about, you mentioned Mike Dunleavy and getting that sort of veteran presence in, but what about a guy like Jared Dudley who was pretty critical on the Brooklyn Nets? Obviously, the Bulls have uh, have stolen Chris Fleming away from the Nets. Jared Dudley makes a lot of sense to me, as does former Bull Noah Vonley, who had a pretty damn good year for the New York Knicks too. So two guys in the New York precinct who I think could be interesting options for the Bulls if they don't go the Ed Davis, Taj Gibson route. Dudley played great in the playoffs. I think that he brings a lot of value as a multi-positional defender. He was guarding Joel Embiid, and uh, I mean, he's giving up a ton of size there, but he was able to do okay in that matchup. He came into the league as a three, so he can... Play it's three, four, some spot five. Uh, he has been instrumental in a lot of these rebuilds, taking the next step. He helped out the Bucks quite a bit, and you talked about the Nets, of course. So if you can get him for cheap, that's fine. I don't think he can contribute a ton anymore at this age, so he would be more brought in for that veteran mentorship than you know playing twenty five minutes a game or anything like that. Uh, and who was the other name you mentioned? Noah Vonley. Vonley yeah, I, yeah, I think that he would be. I think he would be like a fine target. All these guys, I just think it's it's the same thing I was talking about with point guards, where you know you wait to see what the market dictates. If any of them are left at the end, then I think they're all like yeah, pretty pretty good targets that could help the Bulls. Here's a name for you, and I suppose I, I have to mention it given it's been reported. But the Bulls, well, I don't know if the Bulls had interest in it. it was more coming from Shams that the Bulls could potentially be a landing spot for Julius Randle. Do you think there's any merit to that or to the idea just generally, uh, let alone the report? Should the Bulls be exploring someone like Randle? I have my thoughts. Um, I'll let you know them in a second, but what are your general uh, thoughts behind bringing in a player like Randle, who's probably cost a lot more than what with some of the names that we mentioned before, but he's probably, uh, I guess, a more more rounded and maybe a, a better offensive player than some of these other guys that we mentioned? I would just say that when you hear these reports about a player having interest from multiple teams, generally it is a favor to an agent that's trying to drive the price up. Uh, we saw that with um, Marcus Morris, right? Yeah. That the Bulls were expected to have interest. I, I don't really put too much stock into that report. I mean, it's possible because it kind of makes sense on paper, but I think that's more trying to drive up his market. And as for Randall in particular, I live in New Orleans, so Pelicans are kind of my second team. I watched a bunch of him. I mean, he's a talented player. He's a good scorer. Can't play any defense at all. Uh, kind of struggles with the outside shooting. So I think he would, yeah, I, I'm not I'm not crazy about the fit, to tell you the truth. Um, I think that his skills are kind of uh, overvalued, and I would like a more well-rounded player. I, I try to mention these two-way players and the, the guys that I would like to target, which he certainly is not, but... If they can get him for cheap, you know, big man scoring off the bench does have some value. So I, I guess I wouldn't be too upset if it was at a reasonable number. 
Well, see, I, I differ because if there's one name that bothers me more than Terry Rozier in free agency, it's Julius Randle, who I want no piece of at all. I think that would be a big mistake from the Bulls. I mean, yeah, I, I, it would kind of be like Jabari Parker all over again. I mean, he's not the same player, but it would just be having that power forward who will be trying to put up 20 and 10 every night, doesn't play much defense, will be trying to take minutes away from from uh, Larry Markin and Wendell Carter Jr. And I wouldn't necessarily see the point of it. I didn't see him as a leader at all. So that doesn't make any sense to me. And he obviously plays not much defense too. So I don't like that option at all. I When I saw it on Twitter, that the, the instant thought of Julius Randle wearing a Bulls jersey sort of repelled instantly on for me. And uh, yeah, Terry Rozier is the name that I definitely don't want to see the Bulls signing. But if there's a close second, it's Julius Randle. So that's my take on it. But I don't know. Have we sort of gone through our list of players here? I think they're most of the names that interest me. I guess they're the typical names that you would expect the Bulls to target given what we're assuming they're going to do with this space. Again, no real big names, but obviously there was going to be no big names walking through the doors probably even before trading for Otto Porter, but once the Bulls did that deal, that was likely going to be the case anyway. But is there any other players that we've missed on that we maybe just want to quickly round out on? Uh, Just real quick on your... Julius Randle argument. I think it's important to like, I don't know how much the Bulls should be putting into fit based on where they are. You know, they kind of just want to add talent at this point, but they do have to consider, you know, they want to play marketing more at the five, right? Yeah. Uh, like when Carter is on the bench and when they went to that approach last year, it did not work at all. And part of the reason for that is you need a good defensive four to cover up for some of Markkanen's weaknesses. You need a good rebounder. You need a guy who can slide over and protect the rim because Markkanen, honestly, he's not great at that rotation yet. So getting a guy uh, like Julius Randle to play off the bench, if you're going to play him and Markkanen as your four or five, I think it's going to be a huge disaster. Some of the players that we did mention, like an Ed Davis, you know, that that makes sense on paper because that's a guy that you can play with Markkanen. Uh, another name really quickly I want to bring up is Ken Birch. Uh, yeah, not nice magic. One. Very young player. Very uh, a kind of raw player, but a good, good defender. He's shown some flashes of offense. Didn't get a ton of playing time. You might be able to get him for cheap. Uh, kind of like a, a darling of like the huge NBA nerds, like deep dive NBA ner- nerds. Um, so, yeah, just another name to throw out there. No, I think that's a good name. One last name. Bobby Portis, <laughs> should the Bulls uh, uh, bring him back? Bobby Portis, I obviously say that facetiously, but uh, I suppose technically he's a free agent. I was shocked at uh, what was coming out of the Portis camp on how much money he expects to get this summer. I think he's going to be very disappointed. What, what was it? It was like a three-year, $50 million or something like yeah, that? Yeah, he wanted $16 million a year, which I think was a pretty close number to what he wanted in extensions with the Bulls. And obviously, the Bulls weren't going to give him that. But I wasn't surprised by the number itself because I, I remember maybe this time last year, maybe a little bit, maybe it was 10 months ago, something like that. He was putting forth some insane numbers at that point, which just seemed crazy to me. But it seems like he hasn't wavered from those. And I guess it kind of makes sense because he did put up some numbers with the Wizards. But it just seems like a classic New York Knicks uh, signing, so I'm, I'm kind of hoping that's the case, to be honest with you. Yeah, I mean, it only takes one team. I think Portis can definitely help certain teams if they can cover up for his terrible defense, but, you know, shooting at the big position is at a premium, so I wouldn't be surprised if he gets a decent deal. I don't think he's going to get quite that much money. 
No, no, neither. All right, one last name that I have here, and I'm sure this is going to piss off a a large segment of the fan base, but thinking about past Bulls power forwards, Nikola Mirotic. Let's do it. (laughs) I haven't really put much thought into Mirotic. I mean, I think he's he's kind of at a point in his career where I think he would want to join a more contending team, but uh, he did really enjoy living in Chicago and if they offer him the most money, I guess it's a possibility. Yeah, I, I think he could help the Bulls for sure. Uh, I was being partly facetious there too. Uh, I don't expect Nicole to be walking through that door. Ultimately, though, that would make me super happy. I meant, oh, I'd love to see Miritich come through on cap space, maybe get Taj Gibson on that room mid-level, maybe get a cheap point guard and a cheap wing as well. That, that would be my ideal my ideal free agency summer, at least for my uh, my ideals in terms of what I like in my Bulls players or former Bulls players at least. But I think we've gone through enough names. I think we've talked strategy. I, I, we'll see obviously what the Bulls do in the coming days, but it's only a matter of time as to what they're doing for agency. But Stefan, I think we've covered it all. So I appreciate you coming on, mate. We'll see what the Bulls do. But before you get away, plug what you need to plug, tell people where they can follow you online, do all that sort of stuff. Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Stefano, S-T-E-P-H-N-O-H. And of course, you can follow my writing at The Athletic. I am currently working on a roundtable discussion with Darnell Mayberry on what we think the Bulls should do in the next couple of days. It'll it'll probably be out on, I think, Saturday. So you've already gotten a little bit of a sneak peek on what my views are. But back and forth between Darnell is always a, a lot of fun. So check that out. Perfect. Well, like I said, mate, I appreciate you coming on. We'll do it again, maybe, maybe in the season. We'll see how it, uh, we'll see how we our schedules line up. But I think it makes sense to catch up down the road. But like I said, thank you for coming on again. I really do appreciate it. Thank you, Mark, and have a great honeymoon. I hope you do not uh, periodically check your phone and piss off your your new wife <laughs> for that to happen. So, I mean, yeah. I can guarantee you that is most certainly going to happen. I've, I've packed. I haven't got my podcast mic, but I've got I've got a um, I've got a few oh, tricks no. up my sleeve to maybe get out a few podcasts when I'm when I'm traveling. But uh, we'll see. I'll definitely be checking periodically. Like you know, I should probably be looking at the Leaning Tower of Pisa or something like that. But I'll instead be on Twitter complaining about the next Bulls signing. So we'll see how it all goes. But to that point, Bulls fans, I mean, I don't know when my next podcast will be. Uh, as Stefan sort of alluded to there, I am sort of traveling during the month of July. On my honeymoon, poorly timed on my behalf, but I'm not expecting the Bulls to do too much in free agency. But like I said, I don't know what my schedule will be in terms of recording podcasts and all that sort of stuff. So, But be on the lookout in the usual feeds. If I drop one, you'll see it in the usual spaces. I'll be on, on Twitter, I'm sure, periodically to offering up my thoughts. And to that point, follow me on Twitter at MKHoops. Follow the podcast on Twitter too, at Bulls HQ Pod. But be on the lookout for the next show. I don't know when it will drop, but it, I'll probably do some sort of free agency. Uh, I'll give you my thoughts while I'm on the road. I don't know how good the quality will be or, or, or how much I'll be rambling, but I'll offer up my thoughts whilst I'm traveling through Europe. But appreciate you guys tuning in. Thanks again to Stefan for jumping on this episode of Bulls HQ. Until next time, speak soon, Bulls fans.
I'm Amira Rose Davis, historian and co-host of the sports podcast, Burn It All Down. And now I'm hosting the new season of American Prodigy, all about Black girls in gymnastics. For the last 40 years, Black gymnasts have moved from the margins to the core of the sport and changed gymnastics along the way. Now they tell their stories. You'll meet trailblazers like Diane Durham, superstars like Jordan Childs, and everyone in between. Listen to American Prodigies on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts.